Um, obviously, I'm sure everybody knows who Tina Healy is, but I've got a list here. Um, news and Sport Weather on Radio 1 recently hosted the Royal Wedding, presented BBC's political discussion show, Free Speech. BBC News at 8 at the highest figures this year. This is the best one, I think. The highest figures this year on... On, on the BBC News at 10 when you did it, so that says something. Probably higher since then, I should add, but at the point I presented it, it was the highest because I checked. Yeah, yeah. We'll, 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 we'll monitor, we'll check it every day, we'll do the maths, we'll, we'll put that on, that's amazing. Um, you've done so much in, in, in such, um, such a space of time that, like, like I mean, when, when I first met you, what, like four years ago, whatever it was, yeah. um, like it's always been every time I've dealt with you you schedule okay I'm doing this I'm doing this like I like to think I'm productive but then I meet you and I'm like I'm unproductive <laughs> oh no I don't want to make you feel like productive <laughs> that's not a good thing yeah um yeah I, do, I guess I just I think I find my own drive exhausting yeah so it's only probably in the past couple of years that I've realized that I can't Put it on anyone else i am as busy as i am not just because it's this stage of my career or i'm getting all these opportunities now which of course i am but it's also at the heart of it i am driven and i can't help my own drive and i need to keep moving forward constantly even if i don't know where i'm moving i have to be doing stuff so i you know when i got for example the radio on breakfast show i remember thinking this is the biggest gig of my life once I've done this, then I'm going to go and do something a bit more low key, or then I'll take you know take yeah. it because that that you know at the time that took over my life. It wasn't just being on a breakfast show and doing the breakfast show hours. It was your life. You do things as a team constantly. You'd go on tours around the UK. Yeah. It would be all consuming. So I thought as soon as I come off radio on breakfast, that's me. I'm going to chill. And not not chill, but just not yeah. not, not do something as intense. But of course, as soon as you do that, then you come to the end of it. Then I'm looking for the next thing already. Then I, you know, did six years with Grimmy, and again, I was only ever supposed to start that show and launch it with Grimmy. I had no intention of doing a second breakfast show on Radio One. But as soon as someone, you know, the then controller said, "Tina, actually, we want you to stay on," I went, "All right, I'll do it for a little bit." Six years later, I'm still there. Yeah. And then I'm doing all this other stuff around it. So I've always got my eye on the next thing. And I think that's also because with my nature, I can't help but being, you know, I can't help being that way. 100%. That's just how I'm made. That's me. Um, but also, I think it comes down to, for me, my upbringing. Yeah. Um, my parents always used to drill into me, you have to work twice. You know, they're immigrants, came here in the 70s from East Africa. My grandparents are originally from India. Okay. And so they, my parents, when they got married, moved here from my dad was born in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, my mum in Nairobi, Kenya. They moved here and said, right, just, you know, you've got to work harder than anybody else. And also, they sort of steered me towards professions like inverted commas yeah so you know doctor dentist so, by the way in my family now we've got doctors dentists lawyers opticians because that's like no one can argue with you being a qualified doctor no one can discriminate against you well they can obviously yeah yeah that's like a solid i'm a doctor here's my job i have the qualifications to do this yeah so i had that not pressure on me that's probably not fair to say that but that sort of background 
that hard work ethic. Yeah, so, so it comes from an me. early age. But then again, you know, my brother and sister are very different, so that's also partly to do with me. Although my other half calls it middle child syndrome. Because <laughs> I'm the middle, okay. ch- middle child. It's like, maybe it's... And I think, yeah, maybe I'm like, yeah. me, me, me. I need has to... That, has that have... always been from an early age? Like, like back yeah. when you was at university? Because you did, like... You was at university in... Was it London, was it? And then you went to Leeds? Mm. Is that right? You've done your research. I've definitely though. done my research, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to make sure we knew everything about you. <laughs> um, so, is that, like... other pe- People go to university, they do, like, journalism courses yeah. or, or computer science, obviously, mm. what you did... And, and they're almost like, you know, maybe they're not taking it seriously. The first year of university, people listen to this, you know, they might, they might go, okay, it's a bit... How are you... Is your well, university listen, experience the same as the normal university experience? Don't or? get me wrong. I had my moments. Yeah. And I wasn't always, I don't want to say straight-laced, but I've had my... I don't want to say going off the rails, but just like being a teenager. Yeah, of course. So, I, and I kind, of, I kind of joke to people to say I have my... Remember Neighbours, Jane... So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jane, 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 Michelle, the transformation. That. So I kind of went from, like, my slick back hair and my big... I used to have these, like, big red polka dot glasses <laughs> and got contact lenses, let my hair down, and then I had my... and hit puberty. And then yeah. all of a sudden, I then... When I used to spend all my time in the library, I started to just then... You know, there's another... You're just dealing with being a teenager. So I went, I went off the rails, but then I wasn't necessarily that... Up until that point, mm. I was bookish straight A student and then I had a couple of years of I want to say in the wilderness but just finding myself and is it like identity and who who am I what am I doing and so anyway I got to uni always had in my head I wanted to study law I think partly because we didn't have a lawyer in our family and I just like okay that'll be a thing I'll do two weeks into uni a few weeks into uni I was just like this is not for me I do not like this I can't, like, just, I don't, it's not me. And because when you're that age, like, early 20s, mm. the idea of um, even wasting a year to me seemed like, I'm going to be so old if I waste a year. Yeah. So I immediately switched to computer science. But that decision was based on what, again, a profession, what's going to guarantee me a good standard of life, stability, um, and, and a good, you know, future. And it's really weird now. I look back and I love my job. I, you know, I feel lucky. To, I'm in a privileged position. I get to, you know, do something... Um, you know, have a nice standard of life and do a job that is so rewarding that very few people have. And I think, isn't it crazy that back then, the idea of doing a job for pleasure didn't even occur to me. Like, you don't work for pleasure. You don't. So the subjects I used to, like, study, you know, if I could turn the clock back, I would have done English at university. Okay. Absolutely. But it was no computer science. And because I have this, I always want to do things that people tell me I can't do. So because I'd gone off the rails a little bit, I remember my parents being like, oh, God, here we go, uni, another reason to just go off and live out. Yeah. And, do whatever. and then I was like, no, do you know what? I'm going to smash this. And so I, I got a first, and I was like in the top wow. three of my year. I got offered PhD funding. And part of that was a, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. Yeah, definitely. And so, yeah, God, imagine I ended up doing a PhD. God. <laughs> uh, anyway, I didn't. And I went for jobs in the city where... Um, I, you know, they basically went, oh, we'll pay you really well, but basically we own your life. And, and all the types of people that I've just like, one, one interview I was in for a German bank, I remember sitting there thinking it was like a presentation with these, you know, few people who've been selected from unis all over the country yeah. to come in and be part of this grad scheme. And I remember thinking, this is not my life. This is not what I want to do. I'm not motivated by money for the sake of money. Okay. Uh, so, do you know what? Walked out midway through. And when I'm going to, like, this for me, this was me having a crazy gap year, was doing a master's in journalism. That was me, like, 
having my crazy gap year. Yeah. So I went, right, I'm just going to do this for a bit, then come back to this other stuff, my proper job. And yeah, then I, and that was where my journey started and I carried on. But in answer to your question, which I've drifted, no, yeah, was I right. normal uni? Yeah, of course I was. Yeah. Calls in the first year. First year, probably, you know, like most freshers in yeah, their first yeah, yeah. year, it fully experienced university life. Well, there you go. And of course, then you buckle down, second year, third year, and yeah, so, you know, I'm not going to say that yeah. I sat there studying every day of my life. Yeah. Well, I suppose for computer science, we were in labs a lot of the time programming. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when does the breakthrough happen? Because obviously, mm. I mean, if we fast forward to yeah. like the BBC, that yeah. that's... There's a lot of people who've been to university, you know, done the masters, and yeah. and and will obviously love to do what you do. Like, yeah. do, is it commitment from the start? Is it is it, are you doing extracurricular things, or are you are you are you looking for certain jobs? How how do how do you you know to somebody how how do how do they get into that gap like where yeah. where where they're going ex, you know extraordinary and beyond you know yeah um so once I'd done my masters in journalism everybody got work placements at the end of it. And so I had one work placement for Club Asia Radio, which radio station in East London, really budget, no longer yeah. exists. Uh, and then one work placement at Look North, yeah. telly. And then the other one was for IRN, which is the, IT, the ITN's at the time radio news service. And so while I was there, it was making the most of... So IRN was in the Channel 4 ITN news building. Okay. So go have a look around. You get on their intranet, have a look at jobs, have a look. And I... In fact, it's all about using your own initiative. Don't think that things are going to come to you. So while I was there, I remember just thought, well, Christian Groomurthy presents Channel 4 News. I'm going to email him. Hi, I'm here doing blah. Um, can I come and watch you one day doing the news? And he was like, yeah, sure. So I went in, shadowed, you know, just watched the, watched the, um, watched the um, 7 o'clock news go out, yeah. Channel 4 News, just while I was there for two weeks. I saw a job come up on the internal um, notice board. And bear in mind, my head of my course has said to me, there's no way you'll get work on a national, as you call it. The route would be, for journalists, you work in local newspapers, local radio, local or regional TV as your first gig, then you go on to the nationals. So the idea of me applying for a position at a national, Channel 5 News, yeah. I made by ITN, was like, what are you doing? But I did, and I got it. Wow. <laughs> and I got shifts. It wasn't a job, it was just shifts. Yeah. So I started doing it. Um, and actually, I hated it. It was completely intimidating. My first experience of being in a newsroom was awful. I just like, oh my god, this is the worst. Why do I want to do this? But anyway, so I did that for a bit, um, and then June Sarpong weirdly when I was at Club Asia. And this is the thing about not always look for the opportunity in things. I think is the key thing. Part of me was like, oh, why send me to the Asian radio station because yeah. I'm Asian, <laughs> and. Um, and it was really budget. They had no money to send reporters out. So because I'm there, not being paid anything, a story came up and it was, I think it was to do a Black History Month. And like, oh, can you send Tina down to RAF um, Northolt? Um, I ended up on a Chinook with June Sarpong, got chatting. She was like, right, we need more people like you. Here are my details. She got me into T4, Pop World. Okay. And then for two weeks work experience first, then I became, I could just work there for a year, having an absolute ball. Imagine my life, right? Living in a, from a really like working class background, suburbs, northwest London, having like done law, then computer science, and, and then I'm there working on music, pop music shows, and you're like, oh, Tina, can you like sort a goodie bag out for Usher? He's coming in, or, or whoever it was. And it was just, oh, David Beckham's here. Can you kind of... And, and so even though my role was junior, just being in that world was amazing. But again, I could have carried on. 
I was having such a good time, but it got to about a year and I was like, this isn't what I set out to do. I wasn't here to be a production coordinator. I wanted to be a journalist. So then I applied for a sponsorship programme with Channel 4, got on it, did that for a year, ended up working in a, for a couple of years in TV production, was living in New York one summer, working, again, oh, having nice. the time of my life. And I had that moment where I thought, right, I'm an assistant producer now. So you start off as being researcher and then an AP, assistant producer, and then producer, director, and you go up the rank, rise up the ranks that way in telly. Yeah. And I thought, what am I doing? I want to be a journalist. I want to be the one telling the stories, reporting on the stories, making the news. Why am I doing this? So quit my job, came back to London, and started from scratch. And got a spreadsheet, contacts, right, here are all the people I've ever spoken to in news, here are all the organisations, and then methodically emailed one person, the date I've emailed, if I haven't had a response, for, you know, a week later, follow up. See, that, that's, un- that's, that's but unbelievable. But I had a spreadsheet, and then I tick off, and I think there's a fine line between persistence and like and stalking somebody and being yeah. really annoying. And there is a fine line. And so even with me, I always think, I get so many emails from people. Tina, can I have a chat? Like, you know, I look up to you and what you're doing, your, uh, your career and everything else. I don't get time to respond to everybody. Yeah. I'm rubbish with emails uh, and replying to people just because I'm so busy. So that's always the last... And also, I'd rather be making content than sitting there doing admin, replying to emails. So that's always the last thing on my list yeah. to do. But what I will happen is so I'll always clock it and I'll always go, right, I will get back to that. Inevitably, I don't. But if somebody then responds to me again, saying, hi, just following up on this email, I immediately feel so bad. I'll be like, right, I need to do that. Yeah. And respond. So in the same way, you know, if I'm that person emailing somebody, they might not reply to me. And instead of me going, oh, they have emails I want and they haven't replied, yeah. just, okay, well, people are busy. Again, that's like being, having that, you know, just perseverance. So a week later, I might follow up. And also, what are you asking for? Don't come in and people or something like that. I want a job. Um, I want to do your job. I want to present. But like, no, the in might be, hi, Tina, number one, have an idea about the thing that I do. So if I'm presenting a programme, or if it's at the time Newsbeat Radio 1, make sure you've watched that programme. It's so basic. And as much as I say it, there are so many people who don't do the basic. So if you want to come and work somewhere, know about the thing, the place, the thing that you want to work on the show. And then have some ideas. Ideas are everything. So again, you can criticise but you need to have constructive, like, what's the solution? So you might say, I didn't like that programme about this. Okay, fine, but how would you have done it? You can't just go, Definitely. yeah, I don't think this is great. So ha- come up solutions, ideas, and also be realistic. So if you're asking for a meeting with somebody, if someone says to me, can I have an hour of your time, coffee, lunch, whatever? If someone says to me, Tina, have you got five minutes to chat? Have you got 10 minutes? I'm like, yeah, actually I do. I've got 10 minutes. Yeah. And that's an in. Or if someone says, do you mind if I just watch you one day doing this show? Or, you know, do you mind, you know, an hour to talk to you? I'm more likely to be able to commit to that, as yeah. other people are, and not just, can I have two weeks' work experience? Yeah. Or, can I have a job? That's powerful, because you've just literally covered, like, yeah. like previous podcasts that we've done, like, the last three. You've just covered, like, literally every element of that. We talk about follow-up. Yeah. So if you're trying right. to get something... And it was something I wanted to discuss with you, because we talk about sales and things like that, but... You're consistently selling yourself whether you need to get to, to you know to the next yeah. level. So follow up's the biggest thing in the world, and like that's music to my ears when you're telling me about okay, I've got a spreadsheet, so I would I would get I would I would email them. Okay, mm-hmm. I spoke to him last week. I get to the because the majority of people trying to get what they want 
would stop at the first hurdle. Mm. Okay, I'm going to email 30 people. One email, say 60, 70 people, and then and then and then you know you're going at them again yeah. and again. No matter what, you you call them and everything, and then you, you you know you made a great point about I think it was um one of the chief executives. You, you emailed him and said, "Can I come? Can I come down and everything?" Mm-hmm. And it's just a clear example of going yeah. the extra mile. And there, yeah. there's a number of things you said there which are, which obviously give a clear demonstration of why you are where you are because you 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 you're consistently pushing to the next level. Anybody who's working in New a lot of people in New York, you know. They'd almost, they'd almost fall into the, well, I'm in New York, I'm living the dream. You're like, no, I'm going to quit this. I want what I want, so I'm going back. Yeah. I'm going to start from scratch. That's a, that's a big commitment. But, but I think that also, my philosophy is, I, just, I never want to have regrets in life. So I don't want to be that person who's thinking, I could have done this, I could have done that, if I want to do something. So I've switched. And so when people say to me, oh, I don't know what to do, and it doesn't matter what you're studying. I mean, look at me. I wanted to be a lawyer. I studied, I started doing law, switched to computer science, then did a master's in journalism, then worked at Pop World and T4 as a production assistant for a year, then went on a sponsorship with Channel 4 to make TV programmes, then went, no, 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 actually, pivot, I need to do this other thing, quit my job, come back to London. So you can, and I didn't actually, I mean, I know I started at the BBC when I was 12, but really, actually, I started at the BBC when I was 26. Yeah, so yeah. I got I done when people worry I'm like you've got time but get it right so and and try the thing and and so my biggest learn would be I said all this time I mean I could have saved time but then I wouldn't have gone through the experiences that probably sometimes I think you need to to figure out what you want to do you need to discount the things that you don't want to do and you only discount them by doing them again now that's not for me yeah and I think that's important but having said that like I said I would have liked to have studied English at university if I'd have tried if I'm like I want to be a lawyer I want to be a lawyer sometimes people are in love or like the idea of something so if I'd have actually gone to a law firm and spent a day there or a week I might have known a lot sooner that actually this maybe isn't for me and also shortcuts you know people don't say to me i want to be a present i just want to be a presenter everyone wants to be a presenter you want the you know you want to have that that role tell me what you're you know i didn't there's no no such thing when you start out well there might be but you know but you wouldn't typically see a presenter role as your entry-level role you might be you know i've been a researcher I've, I've done overnight shifts. I've worked every anti-social hour. Yeah. I've picked up... You know, even now, I'm sitting here talking to 100%. you. I'm doing... Straight off bre- the news. Straight off the back yeah. of doing... No, but Saturday breakfast. Of course, I could have my weekend off. I don't want to work every weekend, but it's then balanced. So I'm doing this Saturday um, because, again, it's a good slot to do. Sometimes I do Sunday. So, But you don't get to those stages unless you make those sacrifices in, in some ways. And I'm not saying that, you know, my work-life balance isn't great. And that's the thing I want to try and improve, um, because I do. I find it hard to say no to stuff. Yeah. Um, but in terms of balance, you know, when people look at what I do, and you list, you know, at the moment, my God, I do a weekly art show for the World Service. I've launched a new podcast um, for the uh, Radio Four flagship, you know, Today yeah. program. I just done today breakfast. I present. I do the Victoria Derbyshire show. I've started doing the six and ten. I've taken over points of view. Um, I've just finished filming a panorama. I need to fill up my calendar. I know, I, and I I'm to... having conversations. Oh, and I'm doing. Oh, I can't talk about it. But I'm doing a big uh, project. Um, something to do with refugee camps. And I'm going to Rwanda in February. Wow. Uh, so yeah, there's 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 it's a lot. But the things that um, I have a very supportive um, network 
and my network is my partner, my other half, yeah. and other, my family and everything else, and, and, and friend, friends as well. So I, I'm not going to say it's all me. It's also, and I, do, you know, I wouldn't necessarily be doing as much as I do if I didn't have the support of my other half. So it's a I'm massive you, thing, isn't it? And it's, a, it's a massive thing. And also, you know, so I'm with someone who allows me to thrive. And it's not, you know, typically people expect the man to be, I'm not saying I'm the breadwinner, but the man to be like, you can have your hotshot, high-flying job and, uh, you know, my partner's here to support me. And he, I'm going to go off on my business trips and come home and you have, you know, you be the, the homemaker. Yeah. And I have the absolute opposite of that relationship in that, you know, he Kane's not the homemaker, but he is there and is very supportive. And when I say, you know, I did the, the Manchester... Um, arena attack when that happened I got a phone call I had to be on a, on a train that night and, and you know Kane didn't see me for a week and I was doing that and that was such an intense experience doing yeah, that yeah I can imagine um, straight after it happened but I get the space to do that from him yeah. um, and the support and that that works so yeah. it doesn't you know it's always about and even a lot of the things that I do it's you know people you need to be surround yourself with people who want you to be your best and that's only going to happen if you respect the people you work with yeah. and the people that are in your life. Because, you know, people, when people say to me, and they have, said, you're not very presentery. I'm like, what does that mean? Do I need to be more presentery? I'm like, no, you're not a diva. Like, you're, you're not a diva. And you're yeah. Like, well, yeah, because treat others how you want to be treated. 100%. And so I, you know, and a lot of people say, yeah, but those people go really far, the people who are, you know, really mean to others and a, and a certain type of, of, of personality but I don't I just that's bad karma for me yeah just treat others how you want to be treated also on, on a very practical level the, the person who you've shouted out who's a runner in 10 years time could be commissioning the, the program that you're working exactly on. yeah so and it's a small industry and also reputation is everything so you know and we all get it you know there are times when i'm tired and i want to and you don't necessarily want to, want to talk to people you want to do your own thing you might have a bad day but you just always have to write you know you if, if someone's only meeting you for the first time and might not meet you again what do you want that person to go back and go oh well, she was a bit of a nightmare yeah she, oh, she, she was your brand rude. isn't it you, she was and then that spreads your personal image so yeah reputation is is everything you, I, respect. I think the elements that you talk about there, like we, I feel we, like I'm just waffling. You're right? really not waffling. This is like a learning me. experience for yeah. me. I, I want to start making notes or something, honestly, because because we, we we've previously spoke um, on the podcast about surrounding yourself with the right people, yeah. which is one of the first reels. Because if you've got uh, whether it be your partner, whether it be your friends, people who you know, oh, let's go out and drink tonight. Let's just do that to the. Well, I'm working yeah. tomorrow. I'm you know, from 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 a first foundation. That, that instantly is a, is a negative effect on where you want to go. And I can instantly see that you've all, almost made like the lifestyle choices mm. of, of who you're with, who, who say your friends are and everything that are going to impact where you're going. Because, you know, the, I mean, your time schedule re requires stupid mm. levels of commitment. And, and, and I think discipline is probably a, a big thing. Yeah. Um, because... I mean, how how if if you if you're doing six a.m. radio and then and then mm. uh, sorry six a.m. news and then you're onto something else at ten, the the commitment factor in terms of what you yeah. need to do the night before is, is ridiculous. And having yeah. you know you're saying your partner on your side, it's like well yeah, one hundred percent. A lot of people don't have that luxury, and mm. and, and it almost becomes a a negative art, you know, and a bit yeah. argumentative. And, yeah. and I think that you've you've got it there to be able to go to the next level, mm. you know, um, which drops us into your time management factor. Because, like, I mean, how, how, are you, how are you doing this? Are you just like a machine or...? <sighs> well, people, people do say to me, like, do yeah. you ever sleep? Yeah. Um, I think 
mentally, how I deal with things is I, I deal with what's in front of me. So I have an overview of, okay, so today I'll look at next week and, and think, okay, I've got to do a voiceover on this day, got to do this, got to do that. And, and mentally, I will sort of prepare myself and say, right, I'm, I'm doing Monday, for example, it's my day off. I'm going to have that as my day off because mm. I've got a really busy week for the rest of the week. And I'm again up here in Manchester doing another overnight where I'm going to be away from home. So that's my quality time, family time day. And then I know because I've had that, that I'll go into Tuesday, right, okay, full on, let's go 100%, foot down, I'm, I'm working today. And I've got a big day on, I'm actually, sometimes I will, to get clear space, I will put a lot into my day. So Tuesday I packed out. But I don't mind that because I know that Monday, I'm, I've got a full day, clear day. And I know that Tuesday evening, like I'm seeing some friends and I've got Christmas dinner, so that's fine. That I know what I'm doing. So I, I kind of, I know what's coming up. And as long as you give yourself like mini rewards along the way, yeah. and that mini reward might be, you know, sometimes it will be, what was I doing the other day? I was hosting this big corporate thing for three, four days. And it was so intense. And, you know, you're having to, you get to know 100 people and they're like some of the most powerful people in the country. And you're there presenting, you know, to them and, and doing stuff and, constantly trying to get your head across content and, and having to socialise with them during the evening. So I remember one day I was like, oh, you know what, I'm just like my brain. And I just went, you know what, I'm just going to go off, have a one hour mass- get an hour massage or do something no, nice. else. And that was it. And that just reset me. Or daytime napping is my other thing. So, and it's not the healthiest thing where I've, because I've done breakfast shows for 10 years, I probably survived on, and everybody's different, this is the key thing, five hours sleep a night on average. Not great. But what I would do then is if I'm doing the breakfast show and I know that I'm doing something else later in the day, even if I have like 40 minutes where I'm lying down and I don't I might not necessarily sleep, but that just breaks up my day. And I know that it's almost like I'm starting a second day. Like, right, OK, up, out, do this. But then also it's your lifestyle choices. I live in central London. Now, I totally appreciate a lot of people. In fact, most people wouldn't be able to live in central London. My personal circumstances are such that I, I am living in central London. But, you know, I live in a small place, one bed flat with my other half and again you know some people may prefer to have a lifestyle where they have a big house out in the country or a yeah. big commute I have no commute so I can also fit more in because our lifestyle choices that we live where we live so my walk to work is five minutes so I I'm saving time already because I'm like I don't have an hour commute in the morning I don't have an hour commute on the way back or hour and a half whatever so that's like two three hours I've got on anybody else already you know, you've so made the commitment, haven't you? You made it happen by just by where, where you live. Yeah, so I've chosen, and you know, initially I said, well, I'm not really sure this is, you know, living right where we do and smaller place and I'd like a garden and a, and a house and all the rest of it. And like I said, everyone's financial situation is different, um, but that's that's also partly a choice. Um, and, and again, you know, this is at this stage in my career, it, things will inevitably change, but for the moment it, it works yeah. but also diary you know I used to be one of those people up until I've given in now and I have an electronic diary that's the other key thing where the busier I got I was starting to feel overwhelmed because you know the further I'm going in my career there are more people involved so I have an agent I have a publicist I have there are BBC people I work with obviously there are family commitments my other half trying to put all these things in the diary and then what I've done now reluctantly I've consolidated my diary so everybody has access to it. 
Okay. So my agent has access to it, my publicist has access to it, me, my partner, and so everyone can, and that has taken so much stress away because I don't have to, someone going, Tina, can you go to this event? Can you do this? Oh, hang on, let me check. And my agent going, Tina, can you do, they can, everybody can see. So what I will do is I'll block out, I'm off today. So they know if someone calls about, you know, me doing something, I'm off. So my diaries, and I used to be that person that every Christmas I used to love, it'd be a little like I'd buy myself a fancy diary. Yeah. I used to love like handwriting and having lovely. <laughs> and so I've had to accept now that I just, I have to just switch to an electronic diary because it's just a lot more efficient for me. Yeah. But also it's how you spend your time. Because again, there are a lot of people, don't blame other people. The other thing is don't blame other people. There are so many people, especially in my industry, it might be in other industries where there's so much, they have so much negative energy and time spent on looking at other people why have they got there why have they been given this opportunity why she got that i want this it's not me well and you know blaming other people for their lack of progress or you know what if you'd and this might sound really harsh people may disagree with me but if you're not happy move go somewhere else do something else there's no point it's not good for your mental health if you are in an organization or working in a place where you are deeply unhappy to the point where you cannot see the good in anything and everything becomes negative. And so obviously there are ways you can work through, like if you have a problem, speak to your boss, speak to your line manager, speak to your colleagues, but there are certain people, and it's about not being dragged down. So there are people, um, unfortunately, who are just, you know, just negative, just like negative energy, negative, negative, negative. Yeah. Why, have you, you know, and, and actually, I've had the further up in my career, the more so you have some of those sort of like voices from the sidelines and you just have to just like, right, I'm not paying any attention to any of this. I'm going to do me and have the people around me I trust and to, whose opinions that, you know, I respect and value and here's my unit. And that becomes more important the, the further, you know, you, you go. Because, yeah, just don't, don't blame other people. Make your, I've made my own opportunities happen. Mm. So, yeah. You've, I mean, you've constantly yeah. gone for the next thing, haven't you? It's, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's clearly demonstrated that everything you've kind of, you've wanted, you've almost yeah. got because you've, mm. you've put the work in. It's not like, no... No lucky break. Okay, well, I, I, I knew that person, so they yeah. got me in here, and that, and that yeah. now this has happened because to the point where yeah. most recently, I mean, you link with the Royals. Oh, you know, yeah. that's like unbelievable. To the yeah. point where, um, what, what, what? So, so you've done the royal wedding, and now are you almost the, the? I, I don't know. You tell me. You, you, you like the, the representative in terms of? No, I just you know what honestly. I keep seeing you pop up Prince more and William more. With... Listens to the sh- has listened to the other radio for years. Right. So. They, I was personally approached to host their Royal Foundation event. So basically the, the charity work that um, uh, William, Harry uh, and, and Catherine, the Duchess, so all of them do, sits under the Royal Foundation. So for the first time this year, they decided to have an event to showcase what they do and all the people that are involved in what they do. And they asked me to host it and to invite Megan into the fold because she was going to become the fourth patron of the Royal Foundation. So, you know, you, I got booked for it and I thought, yeah, okay, fine, great. Um, and, but it was only near the time when it was, I got the, oh, can you come to Kensington Palace to just, you know, come and talk through things. And I'm there, sitting there, sort of rehearsing everybody. I'm thinking, okay, this is, uh, uh, and anyway, wow. and I just, yeah, so I, that was the in, it went really well. But then I think I applied what I applied to most interviews and the things that I do. See, my presenting style is not about me, 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 me right it's not about my ego it's not about my opinion it's not 
it's about I see my job as getting the most out of other people. Yeah. And so that that's it for me. Whether it's a politician, whether it's someone who's, you know, experienced bereavement, who's been recently bereaved, if it's you know, it could be anybody, but for me, it's about making them, you know, get getting the best out of them. And if that's a politician, you'd be like, oh, you, you know, don't be nice to politicians. But you, you can, you know, the, the approach that's aggressive, um, confrontational, shouty, I don't think works in terms of getting any value. For me, and someone said to me once, you're like an iron fist in a velvet glove. And I like that expression because it's like, yeah. you don't, to get things out, to be tough, you don't have to shout. You don't have to speak over the other person. You don't have to be confrontational. I sometimes find more that having a more measured tone is disarming. And actually, someone might think, oh, okay, I feel really relaxed. And, and, and actually reveal more about themselves than they intended to. Of course. So similarly, with that event, it was, right, you know, people might assume, because they're members of the royal family, you know, you're used to this, you do this all the time. No, they have the set, you know. So it's about putting them at ease, making them comfortable with what we're doing, running through things in advance, you know, bringing things, being collaborative, like, you know, come up with the ideas together. Um, and it went really well. And, you know, I've been asked back to do a couple of things. In fact, I was at Kensington Palace two weeks ago, Prince William, um, ahead of an event I did okay. with him. Yeah, to do with workplace mental health. And, you know, he revealed stories that he hadn't revealed before. And, you know, I've been doing this for 10 years now. I think I know what it takes to get, you know, my skill that I think I'm good at is people and getting the best out of people because I don't make it about me. Yeah. Is what I like to think. I mean, people might watch myself a bit. It's not the case, but yeah, that I mean, that's no, I that's, that's right. my approach, and I think that's when that's why I hope or I like to think people come back to me because yeah. genuinely, I want to know. I mean, of course, and this is maybe to my detriment. It's not just pleasing the bosses. For me, it's about the audience, and I'm always, you know, whenever we do something, and and it's it's really easy to get caught up in the hype of people telling you you're amazing and great, and oh, Tina, it's good, what a great show. But I want to hear it from someone I don't know who's watching the show, who's an audience member. Yeah. So I want to, and also tell me things I don't want to hear. I don't just want to be, oh, this is great. How could we improve? How could we be better? Give yeah. us feedback, and constantly get feedback from people. Yeah. So you know, no, no one's no one's a finished product. No yeah. one's a finished, you know. And if you think you've stopped learning, then that's that's a, like that's disaster. Though, yeah, yeah, if of you course. think you are the finished product and you're right, um, all the time. So you still ten years and you still you 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 still learning things every day. Oh my god, yes. Yeah. But also, my job is learning. So how I think I sometimes think to myself, how amazing that my job is getting paid to learn, or find yeah. out basically getting finding out the truth. Um, and, and and learning yeah um yeah and making things accessible so a lot of what's going on you know in politics there's so much going on and the world's complicated and what does this mean and what does brexit mean and vote so for me i try to make things as accessible to everybody as possible yeah of course um Powerful information. I'm, I'm learning so much right now <laughs> so so a few final questions what motivates you tina um, I was say success. Yeah. Um, no, I don't know. What motivates me? Like I say, it's it's innate. I always, I just, I can't help. But if I do something, but also that makes me a bit of a control freak, right? So I need to, you know, even if I'm booking, and it's really annoying for my friends because if they want to go on holiday and they'll say, and this is one of my best mates at the moment for a holiday in Jan, yeah. she'll say, I found two options, and I'll be really busy. 
but I'd be like, no, I need to have a look at my options as well. And I let me research it and then let's see. So she texted me a couple of days ago, by the way, I've booked it. And I, love it. I was like, what do you mean you booked it? She's like, Tina, you won't respond to like, you haven't looked at any of the emails I've been sending about this trip. And I went, right, give me until the end of the weekend. I'm going to have a look. So I, I, and it's bad, but I think, not I can find it, do a better job, but I just, I need to know that I've looked at something and yeah, I need to keep trying to be my best self. Or I'm a bit of a perfectionist, I suppose, in yeah. some ways. Um, and then, like I said, it's just that drive. Yeah. And maybe that's also to do with imposter syndrome, which isn't great. But then, if you if you use negative things in a in a positive way, so feeling like, and of course you do, you do. No, I I that never stops. Where you're about to do something, and you think, oh my god, are people gonna hate me? They're gonna like me? What are they thinking? But then that you know, it's good. It's better to care about what people think. I over care to my detriment, but it's I think that's better than to not care at all. Yeah, yeah, of course. So yeah. There you go. And um, and to somebody who's basically, you know, starting from... Not necessarily... This is anything. Mm. Not, you know, whatever profession they're in, anything. Mm. To somebody who's starting at the bottom, what, what advice would you give? Because, like, I mean, you've clearly demonstrated everything you've done, but mm. what, what advice would you give to somebody starting out? Just trying to get to the next level of whatever mm. their profession is, trying yeah. to get to the top of their, you know, game in their field. Mm. It could be sports. It could be business. Yeah. It could be anything. What, what advice would you, you kind of give to well, those? Well, I would say when people look at jobs and things, um, they might think, right, what job's going to make me the most money? What, um, you know, what career can I be in that will make me this money by this? Or people who are driven by things like that or status. What are you genuinely passionate about? And I think that even if it's something that you think pays nothing or, you know, is a really basic job... I'm a firm believer in if you are the best at whatever it is you are doing, you will rise to the top. And if you're passionate about it and if you strive to be the best version of that. And so you've, I mean, you're spending your lifetime working. Yeah. A lot of people are. Don't do stuff that you, know, you, don't, that, that you don't want to do. Just, I just think working for the sake of money. And again, people are like, oh, you could easy for you to say people need to earn a living. Yeah, no, I totally get that. But just, you know, this idea that, oh, I'll be a banker and I'll retire at 30 or yeah, I'll work yeah. in this, like, finance and then I'll retire. Just as, if you're passionate about what you're doing, follow your passions. Um, you might have to make sacrifices along the way or do other things. I mean, by the way, I've, like, worked in a call centre. I worked at Vodafone part-time while I was at oh, university. Wow. Oh, God, what else? I used to be one of those, like, makeup girls in, in like, Harrods. I was doing a bit of temping doing that. Um, yeah, I've done like I've worked part time and I've had hairdressing. God, I did a hairdressing apprenticeship once, so I've had all these stuff things on the side, money, but then but that allowed me to then focus on you know the big the big picture of it, yeah. doing what I wanted to do. So even you know people might think, oh, you want to do art or graphics or or there's no money in that or how you can have a career. I genuinely believe that if you are the best at that and you're well, if you're passionate about it and you enjoy it, you're gonna be get to there um that you will be able to have you know have a profession and make that a profession and also just allow yourself to dream you know i didn't allow myself to think about a job that i would enjoy growing up and now i think that's mad all i thought about was like what's the most stable professional respectable job that i can do and now the idea of me being you know computer science is no disrespect but just not for me really yeah you're thinking big you're dreaming and then you don't get it and also you know don't be no one owes anyone anything. Just, just you have to be. 
just per, you know be helpful be nice to people on your way on the way up um always be nice to people offer to make i know it sounds so basic but like offer to make cups of tea for people yeah. no it's the tree you're start. a people I mean, clearly so, a people person it sounds so basic but um yeah just those little things make such a difference yeah i think and also make yourself indispensable if you're at that level and you think i want to get to that level just how you know you're the person if you're that person that people come to rely on or can't imagine that office that company that space being without then that you know make your make yourself that person yeah go the extra mile i'm not saying you do that like i've been working 10 years now so i probably wouldn't do that as much but in the early stages of my career i would i'd you know stay late and i do um you know go go above and beyond and you know put in some silly hours in fact i still am but yeah definitely in the early stages you have to sometimes just um go the extra mile to stand out. Nice. Cool. Thank you, Tina, for, for come, taking that time out of your extremely busy I'll lifestyle schedule to come. After having had two hours sleep, four hours of live TV, I don't know if any of that made any sense, but <laughs> that, yeah. that, I've, I've taken a lot from it. So, so all good then. Thanks, Tina. You're very welcome. Thank you. There you go. Perfect. Thanks for that. It was amazing.